Hello, I'm Kate Freeman, and this is The Daily Dollop. The Daily Dollop podcast is proudly brought to you by The Capital Chemist, Australia's premium community pharmacy where loyalty matters. On this episode of The Daily Dollop, I'm chatting to the very wise and knowledgeable Dr. Tim Crow, a career researcher and educator in the field of nutrition. We're discussing nutrition misinformation and myths and how you can make the right food choice for you. Here's the final part. Welcome back to the show, everyone. It's a great day on the podcast as I'm chatting to, in my mind, a nutrition great. I have Dr. Tim Crow on the show, who I admire very much, and I was absolutely delighted when he agreed to be a guest. For us in private practice, you know, we have a lot of clients that actually sort of come to us, you know, for help and book in to see the dietitians, and they've done a lot of research on Google themselves prior to coming, particularly if they've got a particular medical condition that they're wanting to get help with. Or um, worse, their diet, their doctor has told them to go on mm-hmm. some particular diet. And often they actually just want some affirmation from the dietitian on their desired dietary approach. But can you talk why somebody jumping onto Google and researching nutrition in that way is also not a great way to get help with your nutrition? Yes. So Google will also tend to give you things that can support your preconceived ideas. You may be searching for what's called confirmation bias as well. Mm. For the general public, unless you've got a good critical analysis filter, you don't know if the information is coming from a credible site or a dodgy site. So if if the first page of your Google searching is all coming from very left field alternative and holistic health sites, that will give you a very different view compared to a search where many of the top listings are uh, peak health bodies, you know, Diabetes Australia, Heart Foundation, government guidelines, um, health professionals, that will give you very different results. So how do you actually determine what's the best source? But just because it's on a credible site doesn't mean it's always going to be the best information, mm. but it's more likely to be correct as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's really looking at sort of the site, yeah, where they're getting their information from. But I, I often have get students from UC come through and they do a hot topic research internship mm-hmm. with me. And one of the things I'm teaching them is if, a, if they get presented with a, a hot topic or a myth is try not to even have their own bias about what they think that is, but to go through the breadth of the science, like try and read pro yes. and con and, and look at that and evaluate the evidence before you make a decision um, on it. But um, it's funny even just with being a nutrition professional, I'm conscious of my own bias <laughs> with wanting to like debunk things like really, really quickly, <laughs> like collagen supplements. <laughs> and then being like, and then reading, um, I listened to your podcast, but before that I did a podcast on collagen supplements and there was a meta-analysis that had really promising results and I was like, huh, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Crazy. So you've, you've had a few episodes where you've like, I was really surprised by the, these results. So the collagen supplements and the the mouthwashing of the sports drinks. Yeah. So there's, I mean, actually it's great that you can acknowledge your bias because everybody is biased. Anyone that yeah. says they're not biased is, is lying. Oh, sorry, not lying. They're deluded. We <laughs> yes. all bring a, our bias is our, is our scientific training yep. from a particular 
paradigm of way of doing things. You know, we like to think that's the best way. It's not always the only way and it's not doesn't cover all bases. So yeah, acknowledge you've got bias and you try and defeat it as best you can. Collagen supplements are a good example. On the surface, they seem like rubbish and you'll see lots of articles about it. And I started reading about them and finding all these clinical trials. And then I found more clinical trials and I found a meta-analysis and all the things that get raised about it that, oh, there's no evidence. <laughs> there's over 22 randomized controlled placebo-controlled trials. That's a bit of evidence. Mm. Or they're all it's all sponsored by the supplement manufacturers. Uh, no, there's lots of research not funded by any of those guys. And they all give a similar result. Uh, improve skin hydration, improve wrinkles, improve elasticity, potentially um, sports recovery and improvements with osteoarthritis with a plausible biological mechanism to explain how these collagen peptides that get broken down into our bloodstream can actually act as signaling molecules. So when I looked at it, I've gone, oh, wow, I take it. It's one of the few supplements I take. I've gone, the evidence is pretty good. Yeah. So that's an example. And I actually got an email, I think, from a, um, a dietitian. Uh, saying that she had said to her students in the past, you know, show me the evidence of collagen supplements and I'll change my mind on it because she was very negative in her teaching. And she wrote an email to me and said she said to her students that she's changed the mind on it because she's looked at the, the research. Yeah. So uh, that's just one example. I'm not here to spruik collagen supplements, <laughs> but it's a good example as the evidence builds up. It's actually pretty reasonable yeah. to take it for particular reasons. So, yeah. Yeah, and of course I feel like you get so used to working in this industry for so long that something like that pops up and you're just so quick to be like, nah, it's not a that's, thing. It's so That's woo. where it comes from. Most of the things we do do that, we're probably right in doing it. Right? Yeah. You know, there really is no evidence or it's rubbish evidence. But in college and it's going, oh, yeah. it's a bit of an exception to the rule. <laughs> they, the wellness world got it right. <laughs> I know. Fancy <laughs> that. Tell me about the mouthwashing. I listened to this episode earlier this week. For the second time, because I just found it so fascinating. How does this work? How can you wash your mouth out with pink water and it make you go faster? It's just crazy. So, as I said in the podcast, when I first saw this research about mouth carbohydrate mouth rinsing in sport about 20 years ago, I thought this is just rubbish. This is just a you know crazy observation. But there's been probably over a dozen trials done showing that the simple act of taking carbohydrate into your in your mouth and swishing it around and even and just spitting it out, you don't have to swallow it to you know improve your glycogen stores, enhances performance in events ranging from 45 to 75 minutes. Mm. The mechanism isn't clearly understood. Yeah. But it's thought related to it's a sensing effect of of nerves in your mouth going to your brain, parts of your brain involved in um perception of of work, of of effort, of you know. Effort. I mean, there's exercise. That's the biggest perception of effort or work yes. that we have, yeah. allowing you just to go a little bit harder and mm. regulate your own pacing. And it's been done in in blinded trials, but there's even been some research showing that if the drink is pink, that also has a performance enhancing effect. So that's a clear case of a placebo effect. Yes. Whereas carbohydrate mouth rinsing is not a placebo effect. It's a it's a real physiologic effect. It's so cool. So it's incredible. You watch it going. This is just crazy. It shouldn't yeah. happen. Yeah. But look at the gut microbiome research now of what we're learning more and more about our gut microbiome, how it regulates potentially our blood sugars, how it can regulate our mental health, how it can regulate appetite, it can do all of these things. Whereas some years ago, you think this is just crazy. You know, how can all these bacteria be doing all this stuff? Surely they're just, you know, freeloaders in our body, but they're actually yeah. in a symbiotic. And I would say that they're the true masters of us. How overlords are our <laughs> gut bacteria all too kilograms of them. Two kilograms <laughs> of gut bacteria. Two, one, one and a half to two kilograms in your gut microbiome. There's a lot of freeloaders in us. That is crazy. 
That's cool. That's a good fun fact. I'm going to remember that one. I didn't know that. Actually, something cool I learned about gut health that I didn't know, I was reading a paper a couple of weeks ago, is that the gas produced by the bacteria in the colon, I can't remember the exact number, so I'm probably making it up, but it's about a third, I think like 30% gets absorbed through the gastrointestinal wall, like you don't fart it all out. So where does it go once it's absorbed? Does it, it then into the bloodstream? Come and then it fights around in the bloodstream and maybe get me. Oh God, that's a. I know. I was like, and because I don't really understand that area very much, like not a not a gut health expert. <laughs> I was all like, what? This is blowing my mind. I don't understand. <laughs> Lots of big words. Anyway, there's one for you to look up, Tim. I will add it to my list of things I need to learn about. <laughs> Thank you for the fun fact. Um, awesome. So to f- sort of wrap up confusingness and nutrition confusion and wading through nutrition information online, how can someone sort of get through all the information that they're hit with every day and I guess evaluate that to the point where they're feeling confident in their food choices, you know, if – if you were talking to someone, they're like, I'm just so confused. Like, how do I feel confident in what I'm eating? What would you say to them? So I would say for the for the general person, you know, ignoring someone maybe researching for a very specific, you know, condition, like, you know, celiac disease or, you know, diet for um, diabetes and so on. But for the general population, if what you're reading is really pushing you down the, the same line of just eating more um, minimally processed foods. I say minimally because all food is processed to an extent. Yeah. Um, more minimally processed foods. If it's mostly going to be foods coming from plants, if it's recommending you, you know, don't have a lot of um, uh, highly, you know, processed discretionary foods, and you know, it doesn't go heavy on on red meat and so on. Overall, that's going to be consistently linked to good health. You know, is that what the advice is pushing you down? If the answer is yes, well, it's probably going to be okay. Be following that advice. If it's telling you the opposite, you've got to get rid of all these plant foods because fiber is toxic and only eat meat and that's called the carnivore diet. Well, yeah. maybe just raise a bit of a skeptical flag if you before you go down that that rabbit hole yeah. to get your rabbit and eat it because that's all you can eat. Yeah. Um, that's one example. Also, looking even though a, there's a case put forward for a food or a diet or a dietary pattern as a thing you should follow and there's some research behind it, bear in mind that you, know, you can find any research to support your viewpoint that you get a name. It's called cherry picking. So if you do come across research, look for research that's called a systematic review. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing lots of these now. That's where the research team looks at all of the research in the field and combines it together. They are much more powerful than a single study done in rats or yep. a single observational study you know, of a small group of, of women or men or whatever. That's only that's interesting, but but no study is definitive. Whereas systematic reviews combine a lot of the research together. So if you're seeing that word, review, systematic review, you can be more confident that what you're reading is going to be based on some good science. And of course, follow good people on on social media, uh, you know, people that have, you know, appropriate qualifications in in nutrition and or dietetics and people who have a good career track record in communicating science as well. So that, that's my advice, just those three things you can look at. And if you want a really good website that, that I recommend to almost everybody, it's a site I use myself. It's called examine.com. Yeah. They look at all the big questions in nutrition and, and nutrients and supplements. There is no commercial aspects on the site. They're, they're not flogging supplements. They're not flogging any diets. They look at the research evidence. 
a lot of their information is free, but there is a subscription model that funds all the PhD scientists that actually run that site. That's the quality of it. Mm. So that's a really good site to go to and get all of their free information and maybe even subscribe to their newsletter if you think it's of value. But that's a, one of the best sites on the internet. And that's a really big call for me to say that, who's, who's been in research all this career. All this career. You know, that, that is the number one best site you can go to. Yeah, examine.com. amazing. Yeah, I like that, guys. I'll put the link to examine in the show notes if you're keen to go check it out. All right, Tim, I've so enjoyed chatting to you. So much wisdom. Wonderful. So much wisdom and knowledge gained. I have one more question for you and it's more just a fun story really. But as a nutrition professional over the years when I meet people and then, you know, like, hi, how are you going, blah, 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 what do you do? I'm like, I'm a nutritionist. Just people say the randomest things and I just think it's so hilarious and for the most part I really enjoy it unless I've had a really bad day. In that case I'm like, I really don't care what you ate today. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember one particular time I was dropping my daughter off at ballet and we were waiting for something and then there was another mum there and we introduced ourselves and she just literally launched into a full 24-hour recall <laughs> and um, in detail like the type of bread and how many sugars in a tea and coffee and like the sprinkles oh, on a donut, right? And um, anyway, I just – she was so lovely and I just – but I was just like, oh, man, like you really don't have to tell me all of this. But I just wanted to know, do you have something funny? Like what's the funniest thing you've experienced when you've told someone that you're a nutritionist? Um, first, I agree with you. Um, this is I really don't care what you eat. I really don't care what diet you're on yeah. you know, in the general public, you know, whatever. I don't care. I'm not here to give you day-to-day advice. Probably the, the thing I've come across, it still sticks in my mind. I was giving a talk to some doctors, sort of a, they have their lunchtime meetings and and I turned up and the, the organiser said, oh, we've got all this healthy food because you were coming today. There was like fresh cut fruit and healthy sandwiches as an exception because normally they just have all the fried food and carry on. So <laughs> It was sort of funny, but it really struck me that they thought, oh, well, we've got the dietitian coming. We'll mm. have healthy food today. And then next week, we'll just go back to our regular you know, crappy fare that we have at these sorts of meetings. So, yeah, that was <laughs> – It's almost that, a little that bit was awkward. Odd. Like, actually, I don't mind a spring roll every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 100%. Yeah. It goes to show really how much sort of, I guess, moral value is weaved through our culture and our food choices. That's certainly a theme I've seen over the years and – that people are trying to impress you if you, if they're feeding you and they they feel nervous about feeding you and I'm like maybe no that's seriously. why <laughs> yeah. normal food just like everybody else yeah absolutely I mean like we eat everything we really like eating it's totally fine amazing Tim thank you so much for being it's been on the show great chatting with you today Kate. Likewise, I've enjoyed it thoroughly. If you're keen to check out Tim's podcast, Thinking Nutrition, I've popped the link to that in the show notes. It's a really excellent podcast. I learn things on it every week. And also just a link to his website. He's got some fantastic articles on some really cool hot topics and different questions that you might have about nutrition. But thank you for tuning in today, everyone. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day and we'll catch you in the next episode. A big thank you to The Capital Chemist and The Daily Dollop In Crowd for their continued support of our show. We couldn't do this without them. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you love what you're hearing, please leave us a review.